All right, amen. Have a good week, everybody. I'm just kidding. I'm not getting out of it that easy. And you guys aren't getting out of it. You're going to listen to me talk. It's going to be fun. Uh, well, if you guys can turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, we're going to uh, continuing in the giants eat peas and carrots. And we're going to be going through uh, verses, verses 3 through 8 in Colossians 1. Uh, I am reading out of the New Living Translation, so it might get a little, little weird for anybody who's reading in different translations, but just bear with me. So, Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God the Father. Uh, give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. Which, uh, which come from confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by, cha- by changing lives, just as it has changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned the you learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful, faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others uh, that the Holy Spirit has given you. Let's pray really quick. Dear Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Colossians. Thank you for the Apostle Paul. Thank you for Epaphras who brought this message to the Colossian church, and we just, uh, we pray as we, as we comb through this passage today that you would speak through me, and that you would speak to the hearts of everybody in here, and we pray that it would not be my thoughts or my ideas or my words, but it would be yours, and I just pray that your spirit could move today, and that your spirit could, uh, could flow through every single one of us. And we just thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're talking about Father's Day today, and we're talking about uh, what, what a godly father really can be, and what a godly father really should be. Uh, we titled the message, Godly Fathers, and we're going to be giving you some examples of a godly father. And now I know what you guys are thinking. Aaron, you're already the best dad in the world, and your daughter hasn't even been born yet. How do you do it? My answer is I follow these guidelines. Not to brag or anything, but I'm awesome. But that's all. Just, I'm just joking. But we're going to be combing through this, and uh, this gives us a really, really good example of what a real godly father is. And we see Paul talking to the Colossian church, and we see him talking about what he has heard from the Colossian church. Fun fact, he never went to Colossae. He's never been to that church. He never physically was at that church. Everything that he knows about them is from what he heard. And that's just a quick encouragement that you should be heard of. 
People should be hearing about how good of a father you are. People should be hearing about how much faith you have. Uh, People should be hearing about how faithful of a believer you are. That's what Paul is talking about right here. Uh, He gives them a lot of praise, and he talks about how he's been hearing all these good things. He hears about their faith, their hope, their love. He hears about how they're bearing fruit. But this is still the early church. And the early church, just like pretty much anybody on the planet, still has some things to work out. Still some kinks that they need to figure out. There's still a few things that they're not doing super well. But it's great that Paul talks about what they are doing well. And it gives me a very, very good segue to talk about what we can try to do well as Christians and as fathers and just uh, followers of Christ in general. And the first one that we're going to be talking about is fathers of faith. When I talk about fathers of faith, I'm really talking our faith in God. A lot of times we find ourselves trying to put a little too much faith in ourselves, a little too much faith in something beside us, something outside of what what God wants for us. We put our faith in Jesus plus X, Y, or Z, where it should be Jesus alone. But has anybody ever tried to put together Ikea furniture? Um, Fun fact, I hate Ikea. Or I hate putting together Ikea furniture. Uh, Grace knows this very well because I get very frustrated very easily with it. I get frustrated just with the thought of putting Ikea furniture together. I feel like this all stemmed, though, from one time... uh, my mom got me a new dresser, and I had this thought of, I'm just going to see how quickly I can put this together. It's Ikea. How hard can it be, right? Who needs to know Swedish when they have the nice little pictures? <laughs> Let me tell you, that dresser took 12 hours. <laughs> that dresser was the bane of I've of my existence, and I still own it, and I still look at it, and I still hate it. <laughs> but I, in that 12 hours, I realized I was putting things in backwards. I was putting things like on upside down. I put things, I put everything together only to realize that I goofed up on like step two and had to take it all apart and then try to put it back together. And then I put the same thing on backwards again. And I realized I needed a hammer and I don't have a hammer. So I had to make a trip to Ace Hardware to get a hammer. And all of this, the entire time I was thinking was, I don't need to read all the instructions. I just need to look at the pictures really quick. If I can figure out the left side, I'll figure out the right side. But obviously, after like the 10th hour or so, I gave up and I studied and I looked at the instructions and I did it step by step and I ended up putting it together. I put it together correctly and we still have it and it still haunts me. But 
the point of that is I didn't rely on the instructions. I didn't rely on what was given to me, what was given to me to put together this dresser. I just thought, I know enough about Ikea. I can do it. Or I can just put this together pretty easily. I'm somewhat handy. I'm like somewhat of a handyman, even though I'm not at all. I ended up putting a little bit more, a little bit too much faith in myself to be able to put together this dresser. But how often do we put our, our own faith in ourselves in every other situation? Where you think, I don't need, I don't need God's help with this. I can just do this myself. This is no big thing. And then one train wreck and a dumpster fire later, you kind of look back and you think, maybe I did need God's help. It's kind of funny how that happens. It's kind of funny how a lot of times we look back and we say, I really needed God's help. Or we think, I was kind of dumb to not be asking for God's help. I was kind of dumb for not relying on God in this situation. But it happens. And this happened a lot in the Colossian church. The whole point of the book of Colossians was to tackle false teachings And those false teachings were basically, you need Jesus plus astrology or Jesus plus Judaism and the law, Jesus plus magic. But I'm sorry to to burst your guys' bubble, but your astrological sign doesn't influence anything. Um, You're like, Nothing, something didn't, your relationship didn't work out just because this person is a Pisces. That's not, that's not the case. It didn't work out because it didn't work out. And I say that in particular because this whole new age movement and this whole new age and progressive movement going on outside of Christianity, but also within Christianity, it's getting pretty destructive we start seeing a lot of people put in these new, uh, new ideas into Christianity, put in new ideas into their daily lives, and they start to think that these little things can start to affect their day. These little things, you can get a few crystals, put them in the house, it'll help align your chakras or whatever. But it's not going to do anything. You know what is going to help, though, is if we put our faith in Jesus. If we live our lives as people of faith, and men, now I'm talking to you. If we live our lives as fathers of faith, things are going to change. And they're going to change for the better. Because we're going to learn that we can't do squat. I cannot do anything but Jesus can do everything. So I, I need to learn more and more to let go of myself. Just as Paul said, I must decrease, he must increase. I have to let go of everything that I think that I know, everything that I feel like is right 
I need to let it all go. And I need to let God just be God and let my faith live, it out, live, live itself out. Our faith helps us put even more hope in God. Which brings me to the next point where we are, we are fathers of hope. I chose to read out of the New Living Translation uh, because it words the word hope a little bit different. It says the confident hope. And it's talking about this hope laid up in heaven for us, but we have a confident hope in this, in what God has laid out for us. In this whole um, preparation for, for our daughter, I've been, I've been praying a lot. I've been, I've been trying to prepare myself mentally, spiritually, and in every way possible. But I'm constantly praying that I'll, I'll be a good dad. I'm constantly, I'm constantly telling myself that I really hope I'm going to be a good dad. I really hope that I have the wisdom to, to raise our daughter. I really hope that our daughter is going to love the Lord. I really hope that she's going to love Pokemon as much as I do. I really do. That way I can, I can buy more Pokemon games for our daughter, for me. But everything that I've been hoping, it's been, it's been so unsure of myself. I can, I can hope all I want, and I can, I can just hope that I'm going to do good. I can, I can hope that everything's going to work out, but for the longest time, I didn't know. I didn't have a confident hope. But now, now I'm feeling pretty dang confident. Um, and I'm confident because I know what God's promises are for us. I know what these promises, I know what God has laid out for us. And I know that my hope is rooted in God. I know my hope is rooted in what God has in store for me. And I know that this hope is unshaking. It's unwavering. And I know now that I am working towards the hope that Abraham had. Abraham was the, he was actually the father of faith to us. And all those who, who called Jesus our Lord, we are his descendants, and his descendants, uh, his descendants outnumber the very 
stars in the sky. When you read, um, when you read Romans, I'm going through the book of Romans with our youth group, and so I've been in that book a lot. But when you read the book of Romans in chapter 4, Paul talks about Abraham and his, his faith and his hope in God and his hope in what God had in store for him. It said, it said that in hope, he believed against all hope. Meaning that whenever, when Abraham had every single reason to quit, every single reason to give up, every single reason to just throw in the towel and say, I'm done, he still had hope. He still believed. That's the kind of hope that I want. I want that kind of hope to know that God does have some great blessings in store for me. And I want that kind of hope to know that no matter what I may be going through, no matter what my uncertainty may be, no matter what circumstance tells me to give up or that tells me that I should just stop trying, that I don't stop, that I hold on to that hope, and that hope is truly a strong and trustworthy anchor for my soul. That's the kind of hope that I, that I want to have. And that's the kind of hope that I want all of us to have. That's the kind of hope that I want to pass down to our, to our daughter. I want her to be able to see uh, the example of, of Grace and I where we feel like everything's against us, but we can say we're holding on to our hope in Jesus. That kind of hope that we can pass down to our kids, pass down to the people that we're mentoring, pass down to the people who don't even know Christ, but they see our hope and they say, I want that. I want that. In the bad times and the good times, I want to hold on to my hope. And I never want to stop holding on to God's promises for me. The last one is we are fathers of love. I'm going to tell you guys something might be a little weird. Uh, your love isn't enough. Your love isn't enough, and your love won't be enough, and it won't ever be enough. And I say this also speaking to myself. My love will not be enough because our love is human. And us as humans, we are deeply, deeply flawed. I mean, just read the first half of Genesis and you see pretty quickly how messed up we are. You see that we are a fallen people and that we are doomed from the start pretty much. 
and that anything we do is just going to end up in ruin because we can't do it. We are deeply flawed and our own personal love reflects that. My love can't point people to me. My love can't point people in my own direction. What I should be what I should be doing is having a love that points people to Jesus. People should see my love and see that as an example of God's love. I do that by constantly reminding myself of what God's love really is for us. And we know all the verses, we know all the John 3:16s, we know all of the entire book of 1st and 2nd John. We know a lot about love. We know 1 Corinthians 13. Our love should be examples of God's love. And we should be living out this love as we are reminding ourselves that God loves the world. And this love is supposed to be uh, how do I put this? We're supposed to be looking at the world with a lens of love. We're supposed to be seeing people as God sees them. It gets kind of easy to see ourselves how God sees us because we can be a little self-centered sometimes. We can see, oh, God loves me so much. God cares about me so much. God died for me. It's all about me. God loves me. But then you go, you go out and you forget that God, God loves this person too. Do you guys know what the uh, most dreaded day of the week is for retail and food business? It's not Monday. Not Wednesday. Sunday. Sunday afternoon. Sunday right after church. I hear it all the time, and I see it all the time on social media. People talking about, oh, yeah, we had the church group come in right after church, and they just treated us like garbage. I'm not saying this is everybody, and I'm not saying this is the general example of the church, but the most dreaded day of the week for a lot of these businesses is Sundays because there are these people who are so-called Christians who come in, they get filled, they worship God, and then they leave the building and they completely forget what they came there for. They completely forget what they were just filled with. They forget forget that they were filled with God's love. They forget that God loved the world. I'm going to tell you guys, God didn't love just Aaron. God didn't just love the Coleman family. God didn't just love Hillside. God loved the world. God loved every single one 
of these humans on this planet. There's not a single human that he didn't die for. So you got to look at that. You got to look at the world with that lens of love. The homeless person on the highway with the with a sign. Are we looking at them with the lens of love or are we telling them get a job? What about what about the pre- people who frequent the liquor store or frequent the drugstore or frequent frequent any of that? Are we telling them what's wrong with you? Or are we looking at them with the lens of love and saying, God died for you. I want to share God's love with you. What about people openly embracing sinful lifestyles? What about the LGBTQ community? Are we looking at them with a lens of love? Or are we looking at them and just condemning what they do? Are we just condemning every, everybody? Let me ask you this. Is it our job to condemn? Is it our job to cast out God's judgment like we have power or authority over God's judgment? Or is our job, is our job to love them just as Christ loved us? Our job is not to look at people and look at the world with a how-can-I-fix-you attitude. We don't want to just point out what's wrong and tell them, you need to fix that. We just need to say, God loves you. God cares about you. And I want to share that love with you. We want to look at them with And how can I show you God's love attitude? We want to look at people through that lens of love and we want to see the world with that lens that God loves them. Let's be the ones who bring that perfect love into the world. Let's share that love. Let's do what we can, at least in our community, to make Sunday the most looked forward to day. Because we're always, we're always sharing God's love with people. We're always telling people, you, you look great today. You're amazing. God loves you so much. Tip a little extra, even. Let's share God's love with people. Let's stop saying that we need to fix everybody because we can't fix anybody. We can't do it. Only God can. God is the only one who is able to do that. Our attitudes need to shift and our attitudes need to change. And as a father, that's what I wanna do is I wanna look constantly with love. I want to love first and anything else after, second. Love first, discipline second. Love first, I don't know what else, second. 
Because if you're sharing God's love first and foremost, that's the first thing that she's going to know about God. She's going to know that God loves me. She's going to know that our little daughter is going to know so well how much God loves her. Because that's the first thing that we're going to be telling her. God loves her so much. God put so much care into putting her together in the womb because God loves her so much. And we want her to be just radiating God's love to everybody. I'm sure she will because we already know she's going to be the cutest little baby. She's going to be the most awesome little baby. But she's going to know she is going to know how much God loves her. She's going to know because we tell her. And hopefully she's going to know because, because I share that love with her. I want to have that kind of love that points her to Christ. I want to have that kind of love where she sees it and she says, that's how God loves that's how God loves the world. I want her to know that God loves the entire world and that Christ died for everyone. Not just her, not just me, not just our family, not just our church, not just the people who go to church, everybody. And so... Being a father of, of faith, knowing that Christ is all I need, uh, and knowing that Christ is all that I should really want. Being a father of hope and having the confidence in God and the promise of Abraham that we're going to take part in this amazing blessing, that we're going to be a, part of a great nation, that we are going to be in a family that I, beats every single family out. And being a father of love, seeing the world with a lens of love. I know, I'm, I know it's only 11, but I'm already at the closing statement, so um, we're gonna have our worship team come up. It's crazy what happens when Dave isn't here, huh? gonna be out on time aren't we <laughs> Dave if you're watching online I'm sorry don't fire me <laughs> but <laughs> we look at the passage and we uh, look at the Colossian church something that Paul talks about is that he's hearing about their faith their hope their love he's hearing everything he never went to the church he hears so much because they bear so much fruit. They were a little bit of a weird church and they had a lot of things that they probably weren't doing super well. But there was a lot of things they were doing right. And the world was taking notice. And the world was responding. I want my life to bear fruit. And as fathers, our lives should bear fruit.
It should bear fruit in our families. It could bear fruit in our work group. It could be bearing fruit just in interactions with strangers. But we are to bear fruit. And the Colossian church was really good at bearing fruit because obviously they caught the attention of the Apostle Paul. Just imagine being a father of faith, hope, and love and knowing that people are taking notice and knowing that people are saying that is a godly father. That is a real father who has faith. That is a father who has real hope. That is a father who has real love. I want us all to respond. This isn't just for fathers. This is a Father's Day message, but this is for everybody. Our lives should bear fruit. And if we can live with just a little bit more faith, a little bit stronger hope, more confident hope, and if we can look with just a little bit more love, we're gonna bear some fruit. And it's gonna be sweet. It's gonna be juicy. Some juicy fruit coming in for the kingdom, guys. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for, um, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time that we have. And we just thank you for the amazing example that you, you have laid out for us through the Colossian church. And as we, as we go today, we just pray that um, your spirit would convict us. I just pray that our faith could be, could be strengthened in you and that we could just let go of ourselves. Just let go and let you do you. We pray for the hope that we have and that um, we would just remain confident in you. We would remain confident in the promises that you have for us and that, uh, that you are with us. Just have that confidence that you are for us and that you, you've got our back and that we can lean wholly on you. I pray that our, our hope wouldn't just be a wish, but it would be rooted in a real reality of you. And Lord, I just pray for more love in this world. I pray for not just love that we can provide because that's not gonna do it. That's not gonna cut it. I pray for your love to flow through us and out of us and into the world. I pray that we can stop just trying to fix people, but just try to love them. I pray that, Lord, people would begin to look at the church as a true body of believers who love the world.
And I just pray that your, your love would be radiating out of this church and radiating out of, out of Sunnyside and, and Gladstone. I just pray that we could, we could spread your love more and more every single day. And God, we just, we thank you so much for all the fathers in this room, for all the fathers in, uh, in this church. We thank you that you are our heavenly father and that you've given us this example time and time again. You've given us the example of what a godly father is because you are God and you are perfect and that we can try to emulate you as best as we can. And we just, we pray that we could earnestly try to represent you and that we could do everything in our power to shine your light, Lord. Lord, we just are so thankful for all the fathers and we just pray that you could, you could be with us today and throughout this week. We just pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.